This is the Drive-In Podcast. Take one. Bada bing, bada boom. Welcome to episode 134 of the Drive-In Podcast. On today's episode, we have the checkup with yours truly, Dr. L, featuring a DC Films update and a Wizard of Oz remake. So use the bathroom now, grab that popcorn, and enjoy episode 134 of the Drive-In Podcast. Howdy, duty. Welcome to episode 134 of TDI. This is Dr. O on the horn to start per usual. Uh, I'm joined by my co-host, my best friend, and I would say our DC aficionado, but there's not a lot of ton going on in the movie world right now. Ricky Flicks, how are you, my friend? Uh, we're recording day later than usual this week, right? Things are slow, but how are you keeping, uh, how are you keeping busy? Things are so slow. It's crazy. I am disappointed, but... How am I keeping busy? I started a new show. Nice. I started only murders in the building. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! How about so how, how many? How many do you watch? I watched the first season. How fast? A week, a week. Um, but like I watched like three in a row. Like I, I, you watch multiple in a sitting. Like definitely better than expected. I understand why everyone loves it. It's like similar to Ted Lasso, where like, oh the yeah, show isn't like amazing, but like it's so charming and so well, like you understand why everyone loves it. It's just a nice show to watch. I don't know. It's just like fun. I, I agree. Like the Ted Lasso comparison, I think is spot on. It's got like Jason Sudeik is such a lovable character, like familiar with audiences. Here, it's you have like Steve Martin and Martin Short, like collaborating for the first time in so long. Like lifelong pals, career long pals, I should say. Then Selena Gomez, it's just an interesting dynamic between the old and the new audiences. And uh, you get some nice cameos in there. And like, it feels like anyone could show up at any moment for like a cameo just because those two have worked in the industry for so long, talking about Short and Martin. And then Selena Gomez, such a popular figure. Uh, just, yeah, charming, I think is the best word for it. And new episodes for season two are still coming out weekly. I'm not sure what days they come out, but I just caught up. It's interesting you brought this up. I just caught up with the newest season yesterday, and I just cranked out like three episodes. And another thing is, I would say is that I am surprised how much I like Martin Short. I am not a big Martin Short guy. Now I am. I love him in this. He's the best part about that show, man. He is so he is. funny. I I just never like. I'm, I'm th I think of Santa Claus, Escape Clause, like the third one. And I'm just like, I am not a Martin Short guy whatsoever. But watching this show, he just completely changed me. I am I'm shocked how much I've changed. Uh, and Steve Martin still hits it. Selena Gomez, good. I know there's a lot of backlash over like the Emmys, her not getting nominated. But to be honest, she is the worst one out of the three for sure. Like mm -hmm. not even close. You could clearly see like the levels off uh, if you like compare the three. She's um, just such. I, she's so much more subdued. Than the both yeah them, you know like martin shorts is high energy all the time bouncing off the walls steve martin's kind of in a panic state a lot of the time and then she's just like dudes come on you know i don't know how to describe her she just there's always the same tone for the entire show no matter the situation yeah it's just there's no depth at all like you could say oh well she's had traumatic experience and yada yada, yada. but like to be honest it's just all one note the entire yeah. time and even with in the second season now i just started it and I don't know. It just it's the same thing, except in a different environment. And I I don't want to give anything away, so I'm not going to spoil anything if you haven't seen it. But what I will say is I highly recommend this show. Thirty minute episodes, really quick on Hulu. Like if you haven't seen it, but I bet you have because I think I'm the last person to start it. Go see it. Super or, bingeable. Also yeah, makes it bingeable. very similar to Ted Lasso. You know, it's just like you watch four episodes and only two hours have gone by. You know, it's kind of nuts in that regard. In this day day and age of streaming, especially with such big stars. 
I, I got to tell you, Ricky Flex, I've been storming through uh, content with this lack of like new releases that have been coming out. Or I guess I, I just feel like I've been going back. I watched Re Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers because you had such yes. high regards, a top 10 film of 2022 for you. I got to say, Ricky, it was hilarious. That was a <laughs> was funny, so funny movie. Like, I think after the first 10 minutes, like I was rolling my eyes. I'm like, okay. I assume based on Ricky's uh, reaction to this movie and review on the podcast, eventually there's going to be a point where I'm thinking I'm going to start digging this movie. And I think that moment came when uh, Dale starts to go to those uh, conventions after he breaks up with Chip and Rescue Rangers gets canceled. It's when he meets like Fat Sonic or Ugly Sonic, excuse Ugly me. Ugly Sonic. But there is a shtick in that movie that I could not stop laughing. I was like, I was, I was like howling like a hyena. I would say when they would just, it would be whenever they're talking to Ugly Sonic, they would just zoom in on the teeth, and it was just, <laughs> I was, not, it was, like, and they would just go to Chip, who's like the Dale, excuse me, who's like cringing extremely hard at it. It just reminded me like it was like the mole scene in Austin Powers where he's going like mole, 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 mole. <laughs> just like pretend it's not there, pretend it's not there. That's like, that, that, I think that's the reference they were trying to make with Chip and Dale staring at Ugly Sonic's teeth. But uh, very funny. I love the references. I was going to watch a Roger Rabbit afterwards, but I was really falling asleep by the time I finished Rescue Rangers. It was nice, crisp, 80 minutes. And uh, yeah, it wasn't too complex or anything. It was just a nice, fun ride. Like That was a great wreck by you. So I just want to thank you for that, Ricky. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. And when you think of like funniest movies of the year, we haven't had a good comedy year so far. A lot of it is this is like animation, like the bad guys, Sonic 2, Lost City, Nick Cage, um, Nick Cage Massive Talent. Like a lot of these, like a lot of these aren't like pure comedies, or if they are, they're not like what we saw in the 2000s or even to 2010s, you'd say. So like this was like for something like this to be as funny as it was, it's just like such a like nice, like a, a breath of fresh air. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It was very nice. A little different uh, tone versus like the movies I just said. A lot of them are kid oriented. And this one like had the references clearly for adults, like clearly it, for adults. Which it I was like. so unafraid to make fun of the industry today, which makes it so appealing to adults because we get it and what's happening right now. And kids that age don't really understand what's happening. They much prefer like the old school, like Chippendale Rescue Rangers, the adults with the references, but also when they have like the marketing of the posters going around, like E.T. versus Batman. It's like <laughs> they're, they're <laughs> at each other. And they're watching the movie that they have like scenes of E.T. and like the Batman. It's like, it's kind of crazy. Um, and just like the CGI machine and the bootlegs and the black market and things like that, it's gonna go way over like a set like a seven year old's head. But if the parents are watching; they're gonna crack up watching it. You know, they're just gonna have a great time. So that was great. I do also want to say uh, a movie we talked about. That's what's a movie, Ricky, that we always talk about that's never on streaming, but we always want to watch it. So I I think I know what you're talking about, and I literally was <laughs> telling someone last week. I'm going to buy this movie just so I own it. The Heat. Or Heat, sorry. Yes, I watch it. It's streaming right now, Ricky Flick. Where? It's, well, I luckily, I think we, sh do we share Amazon? But I, or maybe you, you have access to my Amazon account, but I have a Stars subscription somehow. I think they hooked it up themselves. I don't know. I, I, I don't recall ever signing up. It might have been late on a Saturday night. And I was just like, I really want to watch like the newest Spider-Man movie. And I just like hooked up Stars or whatever. But Heat. Is streaming on stars so if you have stars and it's hooked up to your amazon prime you can watch it so i watched heat this past um weekend oh lord and uh man i haven't seen it in so long it's been years so as we said it's not on cable it's not a tnt movie it's not an amc movie it's not a streaming service movie so when it's really valuable whenever you have an opportunity to watch it and the movie First of all, the heist scenes are like top notch. They're like arguably the best heist scenes that are have ever been filmed in movies, right? Like whether it's the first, uh, even the first heist scene and like the twenty five minute sequence that it takes and like trying to like pop the tires as they're coming by, all right? And then also like Val Kilmer like coming out of nowhere with the machine gun. It's just like it's, it's crazy. But then you have the later on heist scene when the big job goes down. Right, and you got Pacino finally having a, like a shootout with his guys, his cops, with uh, 
De Niro and the boys. Then you act, then like that moment's also like a 30 minute sequence, like incredible action sequences. But what really makes the movie to me is that one on one scene with De Niro and Pacino in the coffee shop. Like cinephiles like you and me, like that, those moments are so rare. Because uh, last time these guys were in a movie with the Irish, we saw them on screen for a predominant amount of time in The Irishman. And then we get them in like basically really precious moments in Heat. Because even though they're, like the, they're the two co-leads in this movie and like their characters are paralleled throughout the entire film, there are very, very, very few moments where you actually see them in one frame. And uh, obviously they were in Godfather 2 together and uh, they never shared a scene, obviously, because it's taking place in two different timelines. But that moment is just so incredible. So you're just watching two goats go head to head. And I don't think anything even compares like between two actors today going at it, like Pacino and De Niro and Heat. It's crazy. That's why that movie was revolutionary for that reason. Like arguably the two goats, the, like literally at the coffee shop is like the what we've always wanted to see is just dialogue with the two of them. And I was just thinking, 90s, you have Heat, right? Uh, for me, LA Confidential, Seven, Fight Club. Like, those four movies are probably in my top ten. And I'm Pulp. just thinking, is that Pulp Fiction? Uh, probably also in my top ten. 90s Shawshank. bangers, usual suspect. Dude, that's, probably, that's probably my favorite decade of movies. It's got to be. It's got to be. Like, the 80s was like, you know, the 80s tropes. We did an 80s draft on it. You either had the rom-coms or high school stories. Or um, just way over the top action. We talked about Predator last week, right? And Lethal Weapon and like those type of franchises. And then like the 2000s, kind of like the uh, comedy era that we just, I referred to with Chip and Dale, how we don't see those anymore. And then you had like, yeah, you throw in like there will be blood and no country. But like ever since then, like, I, I don't know. So it's like weird how like the 90s, which people like can hate on the 90s all you want, but kind of not saved movies, but like, put it in the forefront where like Hollywood was Hollywood. You were an A-lister. You were like the the hot celebrity across the, like all industries. Like just movies in the nineties were just different. And, and there were a lot like, of, a lot of those movies were like standalone movies too. Like, like the eighties was like the birth of the blockbuster set. Right. The nineties was like a return to the seventies and like the focus on the movie star rather than the IP, you know, it's not star Wars, Indiana Jones, star Trek or anything like that. It's like, Oh, we yes. got Pacino and De Niro like in a movie. We have we have Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt in a movie with Seven, with David Fincher as a director. Like Pulp Fiction. Here comes John Travolta's comeback in the birth of Samuel L. Jackson. It's not like oh my God, there did you see like the story that this is based on or adapted from? It's more like do you see who's in this movie and what this movie is about? And Heat. What's great about it too? It doesn't feel old. For even by the fact that it has Pacino and De Niro in it, when you think obviously people that have spanned like five decades and a whole generation of movies. Like when you watch it, it feels very up to date. It's like fast. It's sleek. The, uh, the score from Michael Mann is so goddamn good. But as much as I love that movie, like there's, there are a bunch of like, like plots, like subplots, storylines that are going on that I'm like, yeah, this movie doesn't have to be three hours long. I think I like collateral better than heat. Wow. It's, I collateral challenge i think this this is a potential debate we can have on this podcast because i think people would also argue i think michael man's first movie was thief in 82 with james Caan, rest in peace but like i think the ones that people talk about most is definitely heat versus collateral but i think tom cruise is on another level jamie fox is also very good you get you could obviously argue pacino's hamming it the, the f up in heat and De Niro might actually be outperforming Pacino in that I, movie. That's supporting so, cast is also great. It's like it's hard for me because that that shootout club scene in Collateral is one of my favorite scenes in movie history. I think we're forgetting the intro scene in Heat, though. <laughs> that is like, the intro, perfectly. the heist. Yeah. Oh that's, yeah. That that's arguably like the best heist shot ever. And there's right. been so many. I think. Man, I can't believe you said that. Like that, we have. To, I think it's closer you than it. you think. Like I like. I'd, I have like, to rewatch I, both of them. After rewatching Heat, like I'm just like, okay, I'm watching. I'm all in on De Niro. I'm all in on Pacino. I'm all in on Kilmer too. Yes, right. 
Kilmer is actually like fantastic, but like some of like the uh, romantic like subplot that goes on between, especially De Niro's character and like the kind of the liberties they take and like how like it's kind of blown out of proportion. What is actually realistic in this situation, and that like is a big part of the movie. Like Heat, like we feel like it could stand as a movie made today, but like it's so unbelievable in some of like the the subplots that happen. The Natalie Portman of it all also terrible. Like <laughs> Collateral is also just one night. And it's much more smaller in scale, and it's basically basically the for- focus on the one on one between Fox and Cruz. You know, so I, I love how he does that though. Michael Mann loves like two like, two guys going at it, iconic movie stars, fast sleek movie. But Michael Mann, man, uh, we got we got we need heat too. We need heat too. Yeah, and like the book is coming out. Like he's been promoting that nonstop. Michael Mann yeah. on Twitter. So like the book is coming out. So Heat 2 coming out movies. I don't know. We'll see. But I, not to keep talking about this, but it is Heat. I I am I think fantastic. I will put my foot uh foot down here. I do think De Niro is better than Pacino in that movie. Like, even though I, I, you know, I think playing like a cartoon character in that movie. With a I, fair lens <laughs> your head all the way up it. <laughs> like he is on uh he is on. He's on one, dude. Like, it feels like he just snorted a line and says, I'm going to go out there for the next two and a half hours and just, I don't know. I Like, that's actually like a De Niro part. So I'm actually pretty critical of De Niro you know, when he plays these gangster roles or these underworld type roles that he, he pretty much is playing himself for a lot of these different roles. I'm not talking about a like taxi driver. I'm talking more like the Goodfellas, Bronx Tale days. And I feel like sometimes you could argue in this time frame, he's kind of channeling the same thing. But there's some depth with what he's doing. And it parallels well with Pacino's character and the way it's written. Like he, uh, he's very intentional what he's doing, and you can tell he's going for it, but not in the way that Pacino is. You know, yeah. but I still and love like, great moments. And like going back to the De Niro, Pacino, like it's just like De Niro does have like the better lines. I think, like I think Pacino, like you said, it's kind of too cartoonish at times. De Niro's like, what is that? Ball games and barbecues? Like talking about retirement. Then he's like, ordinary about, life. Like, ball yeah, games and it's and like, no, and it's just a cooler character. It's just a cooler character. Like those lines. And he's the heist guy. Like, that's who you're going to follow. That's who you're going to, like, as a viewer, that's who you're going to align with. And I think that De Niro just absolutely is a stud in that movie. I would say he that performance is better than the Tom Cruise performance in Collateral and the Jamie wow. Foxx Oscar nominee. I would have to watch, rewatch both. I love to, Tom Cruise in sure. Collateral. I know. Man, so I know. Good. You drafted it uh, for Tom Cruise roles. But, uh, mm-hmm. no, yeah. God damn. I, I'm so happy. But this kind of, like, I don't mean to step on your toes, Doc, but I was preparing for this checkup here because I saw the the news that John Wick prequel series, The Continental, is moving from Stars to Peacock. Yep. So, and you mentioned Stars streaming. Do you know how many subscribers Stars has? I'm guessing a lot, a lot. Like, like if you had to put that, put out a guess. Okay, so like, let's. Can you compare it to another streaming service? Maybe like maybe HBO Max or like what does Peacock have currently? Okay, um, I'll do Hulu. So okay. Hulu has forty five so, million. I'm gonna guess Stars has twenty five. Okay, wow, good guess. So Stars, not not with Stars Encore, just Stars mm-hmm. is twenty uh, twenty five, just just about twenty five million. With we can't Star- we can't forget. Before streaming services, it was like HBO, and then Stars was number two in terms yeah. of like premium, like uh, behind a paywall. It's not just cable. Like for me, it was at least HBO is where I looked first, and then Stars. Well, right? this, and is, obviously, this is what I was gonna say. So I I was gonna say it's HBO, then Showtime. Nah, me Showtime. not for me. I think Showtime has the better shows. Yeah, Ray Donovan, uh, but like yeah. I, I don't touch any like for terms of premium type of television. I don't watch anything by HBO. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's just the way yeah. it goes. Maybe. Not anymore. Like I'm not now watching streaming. stars shows. Yeah, I'm not, not watching Showtime shows. Like I I got all I need with HBO. That's the one I trust the most. Right. I'm not going to waste my time. That's what I did growing up. But I think just Showtime is 27 million subs. Okay. Do you know? So again, John Wick prequels going to Peacock from Stars. Do you know how many subs Peacock has? Ten. 13 million. And Damn, why am I so to- good at predicting these numbers, dude? It's kind of crazy. Whatever you ask me, like, can you guess 
predict this. I always come within like five, whether five million, wherever the metric is, I come within five every time. Rotten Tomatoes, this or that, audience score. Like my, 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 my brain's an encyclopedia. I don't know how. I don't know how. Good. I, I think there's a. I think what we're missing here because of the Netflix Disney Plus rivalry going on, right? I think we're missing. Peacock is struggling. Like they, they're at 13 million. They didn't. They haven't. They've stayed flat with subscribers in back-to-back quarters so far in 2022. They're lot. They're losing 500 million dollars uh, a quarter here. They, like it's crazy. This and is they, what happens when you base an entire streaming service on the office. <laughs> you just have everything. It's like the office is your centerpiece. You put that in the middle, and then like everything's just like clutter around it. Like, okay, yeah, we'll throw this every once in a while. This, this, that, that. Like they don't have any recognizable, like, oh, I'm going to like HBO because I know Game of Thrones is there and I know the Sopranos is there. I'm not mm-hmm. going to like Amazon, you could say the boys and Invincible is on there, or you might even talk about uh, I don't know, like the the adult more mature. I think is Miss Maisel on there. Is that that? Is that yeah, Amazon? Uh, Fleabag, I believe, is Amazon too. Yes. Yeah. Right. Invincible. And like, like Hulu, Disney Connection, Disney Plus, obviously the Marvel shows. What is Peacock giving you other than The Office and Parks and Rec? You think they're you can still, have people subscribe just for those two shows? I think they're still relying on cable, cable and sports. They have Brooklyn oh, Nine Nine, um, like other shows like that. Sunday Night Football. That, yeah, and then they have Sunday football, Premier League. Like they, they're relying on sports, and it's just clearly not working. And like Xfinity, if you have an Xfinity account, you get Peacock for free, and you only have 13 million subs. I just don't get it. That's crazy. I like everyone. Xfinity is like the clear cable leader. I think I just don't understand how like they only have this little, and they have Universal, one of the largest the top six, like probably top four movie studios in the world. And they still only have 13 million because they have the IP, they have uh, the content for movies. They have great movies on there and they just aren't getting any subs. And I think it's just a low key, just the John Wick Preco series. Like, no, I was like shocked because I was just like, wow, Peacock is struggling and they're moving it from a 25 million subscriber base to only 13. I don't know. Just seemed off to me. I was shocked that the Continental was at stars in the first place, to be honest, Um, just based on the fact that John Wick When's the first one come out? Like 2015, 2014, something like that. Mm-hmm. Like streaming services very much existed. And then obviously the popularity rises where they've had two more since the original. We got John McFord trailer that already came out. On the Armas and a spinoff. It just seems like stars really for like something with like the profitability of a John Wick franchise there. I just didn't really see it. What who produces John Wick? What studio? I think it is Universal. Oh, uh, mm. is it Universal? I always thought it was like Warner Brothers for some reason. I'll look it up. Ricky Flex researching. I'm like 2014 confirmed. I always thought it was Warner Brothers. I, that's why I was like surprised it wasn't on HBO. Produced by production company. Oh, distributed by Lionsgate. Really? Oh, I can see that actually. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So interesting way to start the episode. Nice job, Ricky. Shoehorning in that. Uh, uh, that topic right there for John Wick prequel series. I think we should move on to um, a little DC corner because this is where we've gone pretty much every episode, every checkup for the past month because they can't stay out of the news. There's always so much going on. A lot of times it's not directly related to movies, but rather those associated with the production and like uh, the actors that are performing in these blockbusters. Uh, let's start off Ezra Miller. Let's go to it. Okay, so we haven't recorded a checkup in about a week. So a lot of stuff's happened with Ezra Miller since then. So there has been three options that Warner Brothers is considering or three scenarios for the upcoming Flash film when it comes to Ezra Miller. So Ezra Miller uh, gave an apology yesterday. He said, quote, to everyone that I've alarmed and upset with my past behavior, end quote, well, not end quote, having recently gone through a time of intense crisis, I now understand that I'm suffering complex mental health issues and have been uh, begun ongoing treatment, right? That end quote. So Ezra Miller with an apology after being arrested a week ago for like the 10th time in the last year. So there has been three scenarios that Warner Brothers is considering in response to this. The first scenario is that Ezra Miller gives an interview explaining that their erratic behavior and uh, then doing limited press for the Flash. Option two, Ezra Miller plays no part 
in the film's promotion. And then option three, they completely scrapped the film. So those are the three options on the table. We get this public apology from Ezra Miller, the first time we've heard, heard from him in pretty much years. So Ricky Flicks, what are our thoughts? You got those three options in front of you. We've heard from Ezra Miller. What works best for the studio? I still don't change my mind. They cannot scrap this film. They cannot scrap it. And how do you not have the lead actor not in the promo? But I could see that happening here. I could see them using the excuse of mental illness. And him saying, oh, he just needs time away. But they can't not have this film release. So I still think it'll happen. I could definitely see option two, him playing no part in the promo, but the movie's still coming out. What I would like to see, I need some interview. I need to see an interview. But I need to see interview like 60 minutes, like R. Kelly style or Charlie Sheen. I need to see something to get him to see this erratic behavior that he wow. he quoted himself. I need to see this or I need to see it in a promo trip. It's go like him be a part of the promotion and going around America or the world. Like I need to see something because him just being no part in anything as the leader, I just, I, 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 for entertainment value, I want to see it. If I was at Warner brothers and I was uh, contemplating these three options, number one's got to be out the window. Like I cannot have this guy a one-on-one with Oprah. I cannot have that. <laughs> There's going to be a moment where it could be R Kelly with the, you can, right now like it could be that it could be a charlie sheen where it goes like winning hello like it was like in terms of a potential disaster or chaotic moment that could result in this interview i think it's a high likelihood then again as you're saying for us audiences and for those who are just following the story that on our timeline with each passing day we're gonna want to see this and it's almost like watch it's like you can't watch you can't look away from the train wreck right? It just keeps getting worse. And you're just like, oh my God, it's going to culminate potentially with an interview with like Oprah to me. What if like Ellen did it? Like two of the most hateable people in the history of the internet right now, (laughs) or at least the modern history of the uh, modern recent history of the internet with Ellen and Ezra Miller. I think option two, it's, it's incredible that you don't have the lead actor. He is the flash. You pretty much need him to promote the film, right? Because he is the Flash. If he's not, he's probably and he's probably playing the villain here too. There's two Ezra Millers in this movie. Like he he is on the screen for probably what seventy five percent of this movie, probably more. more. He's the lead. You yeah, know, he's definitely the lead. I could definitely see like instead of him being the villain, like being Future Flash, something like that. So like still not a villain, but maybe a villain. I don't know. We'll, we don't know for sure yet. But yeah. I also we had, think you had no indication of who the villain is, and we've only seen two Ezra Millers, like Reverse Flash, the popular Flash villain, you know, time travel, like one person coming back in time. Like it seems like it would wouldn't be surprising if he was the villain. Right. Um, I will just say on the quote saying like he's gone through an intense crisis um about mental health issues and he's being treated. Like, dude, you still like committed crimes and assaults and burglary. Like you still like you're you're a criminal and you're basically getting off because of who you are. Like it doesn't it it's ridiculous. How is he and, not in prison? Like how is he not in jail? Like how is he not I behind bars? How he's allowed to go from Hawaii to Vermont and not be like on house arrest after committing multiple assaults before the burglary? Like yeah. I just don't understand what is going on with like how does he not like house arrest or not allowed to leave the state? I don't know. Wait, like are these courts court dates happening? Like I don't remember like ever seeing like. He's like Ezra Miller has gone to court to face this charge or this. Like and we see him getting arrest, arrested all the time. He's clearly a danger to society. And like I, I Warner Brothers, like how are you letting this guy just like roam around without like security? Like he is such an like he's not even an asset. He's just something you need to protect for the sake of your huge two hundred million dollar movie that you're set to release. And your DC extended universe is in turmoil right now, and he is doing nothing but pouring gasoline on a fire. Like he, right. he is the real life Joker, bro. He is the real life Joker. Like Joker spilling the gas on his half of the money in the Dark Knight. That's Ezra Miller with the stockpile of money that Warner Brothers has. He's like, I'm just burning my half, baby, and he's just pouring gas all over it and lighting it up. 
That's what he's doing right in front of Soslav and Not about the money. No, and <laughs> it's weird too because in a month, the Salvador Dali movie's coming out with Ben Kingsley, and he's supposedly the young Dali. I forgot what music festival is coming up. Uh, I don't believe it's Cannes. What is coming up? Wait, movie festival. There's a movie festival coming up where Ezra Miller was. Yes, yes. I was I confused those two a lot. Yeah. Um, Ezra Miller was removed from the casting list by the Venice Film Festival. Wow. He's not even on it, right? But he's. I think he's playing Dali. Like he is the guy that the whole movie's based on. Well, well. So Ben, it's like uh, it's like based in 1973. So it's like an older Dali. So like Ben Kingsley is going to be the lead. But I think it's like flashbacks to like his younger self, and that's Ezra Miller. So like you know, like how in the Lost how, Daughter, when did they shoot Jesse this Bo- movie? Like, how, did they not hear about like this guy and this guy that's going to Hawaii <laughs> and terrorizing, drunkenly running around? Like, did they not hear about that? How was he in this movie? No, I bet they shot it like pre-COVID and just hasn't come out. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, but um, yeah, like I think it's gonna be like a Lost Daughter situation, like Jesse Buckley versus or like an Olivia Coleman playing the same person. Oh, nice flashbacks. Yeah. I, that's what I think it's gonna be. But yeah, like that's crazy how this is coming out and no one's talking about it. Ridiculous! This dude is crazy. He's like, I can't believe it. Like, and like, I think like you could rename this movie. I, I mentioned this. I wrote a blog about it. Check it out at the Drive and Pod website. But you just, if you're the Flash is not a part of the promotion, right? The Flash himself, Ezra Miller. You just rename the movie Batman Flashpoint, right? You just have. Those like have Ben Affleck and Michael Keaton be the centerpiece of the promotion, but you can't just have like those two standing together and it just says the Flash. It's like if you had Spider Man No Way Home for like for like this would never happen, but like hopefully fingers crossed. Like Tom Holland gets in a bunch of trouble or something, and you have Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield doing the promotion for the film, and they were in the trailers and everything, and the name of the movie is The Hulk. That's like the same thing as if it would happen. Like, it just makes no sense, right? You just need the Flash promoting the Flash or else everyone's going to be all sorts of confused, especially if you don't follow Twitter. You're not on the internet a lot. You're not following that Ezra Miller is a complete psychopath. I think you should scrap it personally. Get rid of it. You can't scrap the film. Yes, you can. DCU is broken anyway. Yeah, you could just have a tour, like an interview tour with Ezra Miller. Say, hey, we need to make back this money. This is all your fault. Just go around with Ellen and Oprah, going to different interviews or a different interview her for every spot, pay-per-view, okay? You got people attending live. You recoup some of that money because <laughs> I think people are going to want to see what this dude has to say. Dude, this movie this movie will make money. Ben Affleck, Bat, Batfleck, Snyder Cut, stands. will go see this movie. We'll see this movie. Old school Batman, yeah. Fuck and Keaton. what if it's good? What if it's good? Word of mouth spreads, <laughs> no, and then look, it's already but back. No one is going to like. Like, first of all, critics, I don't think will allow this movie to be good, just because of what Ezra Miller has become. Like, mm. I, I think, like, first of all, this can be very. It's like when they're trying to find um, jurors, and then making sure like you have no biases right before you like a like a, for a court. Uh, before yeah, trial happens trial. like how are you going to be how are you going to have zero bias when you are watching this movie how are you going to look at Ezra Miller and be like wow what an amazing actor like without thinking in your mind <laughs> oh my god he's the guy who chucked a chair at the woman's head in Honolulu or he's the guy who drunkenly like or or for some reason like where three people disappeared on this piece of land that he has in Vermont like it's just the guy is too sketchy and people are just gonna think so badly of him I think it's gonna kind of interrupt the movie I just think that's inevitable which is a shame I can't see me watching it being like oh my god Ezra Miller like what a great future he's got ahead of him like it's just not gonna happen it is kind of crazy though so like he kind of got to start from royal pains right uh, similar to uh, Timothy Chalamet there, and then like perks of being a wallflower, a wallflower. Like he had that start, and then he becomes the Flash, right? It's just like man, this guy's going on like he's going places. And now, I think after this, like after the Flash comes out, which I think it will, he might be done for like years, like not being anything. He's like uncancelable though. <laughs> he would have been done a while ago. He's just uh, um, unless he's not being in, he's not being cast in any new projects. He's, I think he's already canceled. To be honest, like there's no way he's not going to be the Flash again. 
like this Dali movie is coming out, probably shot a long time ago. I can't see going on discussing film and seeing Ezra Miller has been cast in yada, yada, yada. I can't see that happening for you. I can, I could see like in like five years, him getting cast like the big KS did in like some small role like that. No one's going to ever see that movie, you know, some local, some really small movie that won't make a million dollars at the box office. Almost like what happened, what just happened with James Franco, where he just got cast as like Fidel Castro and also a problematic That's a little big, though. movie. It is big, but I'm saying, yeah. I'm saying that we haven't heard. We haven't like James Franco has been hiding from the spotlight for a lot of years now, right? For a handful of years now. And like Seth Rogen saying he was never going to work with him again, even though they were like best friends in the industry and things like that. Uh, obviously he gets, there are, I don't know if he was, I don't think he was charged, but like there, um, there's evidence that is supposedly going around that he has had relationships with underage, like teenagers and things like that. And then all of a sudden he's being cast as Fidel Castro. <laughs> like that's wild to me. And then he also, people are also calling out cultural appropriation. I can't imagine a worse movie to come back after being canceled than like playing a different race Fidel than what Cash. you are. That is such it's a, a catastrophic situation. Um, I- it's James Franco, wild. But I love how we keep like going from these actors who are like we're trying. They're trying to like map out these situations that they're in, like what's next for them. And it's interesting enough. Like you want to connect. I don't know what happened in the uh, the recent Fantastic Beasts film, and I don't even know if like Ezra Miller is still in that. Isn't Is Ezra Miller coming back for that movie? Like I think that franchise set a precedent after getting rid of Johnny Depp. Right, and his relationship with Amber Heard and the trial that was coming. And what oh do we hear literally yesterday on Twitter is that Mads Mikkelsen says in a, in a shocking turn of events that Johnny Depp might be coming back to replace Mads Mikkelsen as Grindelwald after Mikkelsen replaced Johnny Depp after, like when this trial was happening. What is going on in this industry right now? Wait, what was the tweet? <laughs> you, you saw this, right? No. What you didn't see this? So like, did so Mads, Mads Mikkelsen? Mads Mikkelsen was in a was he was being interviewed, and he they were he was asked like, what are the chances that Johnny Depp like like is somehow like involved with this franchise again? And I don't have the direct quote, but he said like, we'll see. He said he said well, he, there, he might he might return. Like there's a possibility that he comes <laughs> back to the role, and this is happening at the same time as Ezra Miller is going through this crap, and what we immediately immediately associate Ezra Miller with is the flash but is he also going to be like this is going to be consequential for the fantastic beast franchise as well to me it's kind of nuts i'll find i'll find this tweet really quick and then i'll okay. read it to you that's just that's amazing to me like i actually thought the fantastic beast movies would end after this one right this is the third one i think they they have, they have to get they have to make five they have to make why do they have to make five did they like say they had to or what well they said they were going to stretch out the book into five movies and the third one did not complete like the story, the story, the, oh the arc God. of all these characters. That is ridiculous. Let me look this up. Mads Mikkelsen. Mads Mikkelsen. My God. He's still like, I don't know, yeah. not safe. Like he's like all reliable. I, just, I, I love Mads. Yeah, so do I, especially after another round. Like to me, he can do no wrong. But here's the tweet. It says Mads Mikkelsen says Johnny Depp may return as Gellert Grindelwald now that he won his trial. Quote unquote, let's see. <laughs> He said, let's see if he comes back. Like, I mean, you opened up a door. And like, you, like, I, for some, like, if I was Mads Mickelson, I, I haven't been able to compare co- performances. I haven't seen the second one. I haven't seen the third one. To me, it's just crazy. I'm like, they don't look alike at all either. So it's just like, you're confusing these audiences that don't know, aren't in the know with what's going on. Like, if you don't know what's going on with Johnny Depp, I guess, like, you're living under a rock. But at the same time, like, <laughs> There are those type of people, you know, that are just a di- like old school, just read the books. They want to read like Fantastic Beasts and then just jump to the movies, you know? It's, I, I still can't believe they're making two more. That's ridiculous <laughs> to me. I, I, do we watch these? I, I still haven't I was thinking about one. it last night when I was, I was surfing through movies and I've, we've been on this like, uh, this drought of movies and a uh, drought of like, quality content so I thought, this is like a something i can watch even though i know it's not gonna be something that's gonna be uh, up my alley or anything like that i think we should move on with other um news in the dc corner so i know we got diverted a little bit there hbo max maybe in the news right now what's happened with batgirl there's been a lot of news and then a lot of rumors regarding dc series that are up in the air right now well 
there are no questions with this one. Constantine, a series that I believe is going to be produced by J.J. Abrams, is preparing to begin filming in early 2023. That uh, series is happening. Rick, do you have familiarity with this character? Yeah, yeah, Constantine. He's like Apocalypse War. Um, was it DC? Um, Justice League War. Dark. Oh, yeah, uh, that's it. Like he, like Constantine's, it's a juicy character. He's like an anti-hero. Like he's a hero, but like kind of like an a-hole to like the rest compared to the rest of the Justice League. Um, detective, British, um, historically blonde, um, and Caucasian, uh, like kind of a ladies' man. Um, what else? Very violent, right? Violent, dark. Um, just by. Kinda- just a Rorschach vibe a little bit, like without a mask. Like, I don't right, know. Right, but to, he's also like, he has superpowers. To he has superpowers. Like, he, yeah. he has mm-hmm. like, uh, I don't know, like magic. Like, I don't want to say magic, but it's magic. You know how we do like those Marvel parallels? Like, if we looked at. Yeah. Like, he's basically Doctor Strange. Like Batman and Moon Knight. Like, to me, it's like, yeah, a little bit of Doctor Strange. I was thinking of someone like the Gambit a little bit too of the yeah, X-Men. A little uh, more powerful than Gambit though. He's like, Constantine's really powerful. And I, I believe this was the character that Keanu Reeves did a movie on back in the early 21st century, right? Early 2000s, right? Mid-2000s. I mean, people have been having discussions of whether Keanu would potentially return to this role, especially after the multiverse is going to be explored in the DCEU with the upcoming Flash movie, right? If it actually happens. Uh, yeah, so I guess this is interesting just because of the J.J. Abrams aspect of the DCEU, the shows that he was planning to produce – those really haven't gotten off the ground since he assigned this deal. I believe a five-project deal with Bad Robot and Warner Brothers. So at least this one's getting off the ground. Added to the collection alongside uh, Peacemaker, which is also confirmed to have its season two and will be shot. So uh, And to add on to this, with more of this Warner Brothers news, this one caught a lot of people by surprise. I, th- I take it with a grain of salt. The Batman 2 has not been officially greenlit yet, but Matt Reeves is currently working on the script. So people are nervous that Batman with all his DCEU hubba blue uh, will not have a sequel. And for some reason they might scrap Matt Reeves' franchise or they might have uh, further aims to incorporate more DC characters. Ricky Flex, what's your reaction to this? Are we getting a, a Batman 2 set in the Reeves-verse? Yeah, I, this is no, I don't know why this made such news waves. Like, this is happening. Like, there's no way they're not having a sequel. People are freaking out about it. Yeah, that's ridiculous. So, I, I honestly think it's a, a nothing, nothing burger. Going back to Constantine, real quick. I, so I was thinking, like, since this is confirmed, they got to have a cast of Constantine soon, right? And I, I don't think it'll be Keanu, I think mm. it'll be someone younger. I do think they'll try to go for the British the british side well what are you what are you, what are you laughing at over there i feel like i feel like ryan gosling should play this dude all right so i i created this list here he looks just like him yeah he looks just like him and he's got um, that edge to him sarcastic yeah quick-witted yeah sarcastic like can be selfish and dark at times we've seen that detective he's played detective before i wrote down gosling i know he's not english either but gosling um you know who else i wrote down is uh charlie hunnam come back he's is british has played darker characters before on a la sons of anarchy king arthur looks like him as well i wrote down uh tom felton malfoy oh no no i can't you can't i can see <laughs> you it um, i can see him in a cw version of Constantine. yes yes uh a la the flash uh i wrote down alexander ludwig he looks like him too Lone Survivor, Hunger Games, Bad Boy for Life. He looks like Alexander Skarsgård a little bit, but not jacked. Who's the other guy from Hunger Games that could play him? Um, Josh Hutcherson? Nope. No, 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 no. It's a side character. He was in the Me Before You with Amelia Clark. Uh, Sam Claflin. Sam Claflin. Mm. He was mm. uh, in also Peaky Blinders. The fascist. Right. And I guess some other names I wrote down real quick. Some British people. George McKay, your boy from Wolf, nineteen seventeen. Yeah, George McKay, get yeah, it right. McKay, yeah. Um, I wrote down. All right, uh, just Tom Hiddleston. I think would be awesome, but I know he's low key. Aaron Taylor Johnson, I thought would be good. Another British guy, but he's obviously going to be another superhero uh, soon. Uh, McAvoy, James McAvoy, I could see that. Tom Hardy, I could see. 
Tom Hardy would Tom be an Hardy. awesome one. Like Tom, yeah. Tom Hardy with the jacket and the like, uh, like, like almost like the mysteriousness to him. And what's 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 going on behind behind those eyes? What's going on with Tom Hardy? That's right, good. right. Like, yeah, uh, and then just two more. Ben Foster, I could also see. And <laughs> we just need to. We honestly, what uh, if we're looking for British dudes, right? You see, we need a guy who has blondish hair, or else can rock blonde hair that can wear that type of jacket. What's what's it? What is it? The like that pea coat or like um? Right, right. You know what I'm talking. The about. detective jacket, the yeah. classic detective jacket. But like this guy, Constantine, such an interesting character because he has his own sector in the DCEU with the Justice League Dark and all that stuff. But also, he coincides with like some Batman stories and like other members of the Justice League. So it's, this is this is kind of a crucial character to get right because we could be seeing this man on film, right? Not just in this series crossing over, right, from uh, HBO Max to the big screen. So I think this is a big time casting, and I think you're putting out a lot of good names there. Personally, I think Gosling is the perfect guy. That's what I thought of immediately. And the quick-witted sarcasm, I think, is perfect. Yeah, he'll, um, he'll be great. All right. So uh, let's move on with the checkup. Let's get out of the DC corner. And let's move on with the animated corner. Kung Fu Panda 4 is coming. It's going to release March 8th, 2024 in theaters. Ricky Flex, what's your reaction to another Kung Fu Panda movie? Do we really need to? It's Come it's on, Ricky. That's the reaction of a new Jack Black as Poe, you're a big Jack Black guy. Love I am as well. But out of four Kung Fu Panda movies, four. It's like Shrek. It's turning to Shrek. Yes, that's a good comp. It is literally turning to Shrek. I love Kung Fu Panda. I think it's actually probably now underrated since, like, I think time. We people just forget about it. That was awesome. I love Kung Fu Panda. The second one and third ones, like Shrek Two, banger. That's I was just watching that the other day. Shrek Two absolute banger but kung fu panda 2 not a banger kung fu panda 3 not a banger i actually think shrek forever after awesome movie I kung fu panda 1 i think is in the same tier as shrek and shrek 2 though i'm i'll, I'll push it I'll the push lower it end of the that. tier i'll say that i don't think it's better than shrek 1 or shrek 2 but i think it's in that vicinity it's in that like like that non-pixar animated movies where it's just like wow it's, it's like uh, almost like God tier of outside Pixar animated movies, 21st century. It's right there. Yeah, I, I actually completely agree. Like, like, I have it over Despicable Me. I'd rather watch Kung Fu yes, Panda than Despicable easy. Me. Too the people easy. would have Despicable Me in there. That's just what are the other of, ones? Like, what's let's, going let's, on right now. What, what, what are the other like animated films that belong in there? Like, How to Train Your Dragon is a popular one. Does that make it in there? People love those movies. I mean, yeah, I've never seen one. I, I would say How to Train Your Dragon is on the level of Kung Fu Panda. Not me personal favorites, but I think just like if you're looking at quality, it's like, oh, it's probably the same. Man, I, I anything else that comes to mind? Animated movies like a Sausage Party? Probably not making the top tier. Oh, oh, um, I was thinking like franchises. Yeah, that too. That's what they usually are paired with. Like Puss in Boots. Boost and Boost doesn't make it. Spin off Shrek. Hotel Transylvania. Transylvania. That's that's one. I'm trying to um, think. The cruise. Oh, Klaus. Klaus makes it top tier. Oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah, Klaus yeah. Klaus makes yeah. it top tier. Yeah, I guess the non non Disney non Pixar. Like, I guess I would say those. We hit all the main franchises animated wise. Oh, so um, into the Spider Verse obviously is better than all of those. Yeah, Sony. Yeah, that's just unbelievable. Yeah, and like yeah. Iron Giant, my first overall pick in that draft. Love that movie. Dipping right right below 21st century in 99. But I, I, I respect you slipping that in there. Definitely deserves that top tier selection. All right. Uh, we're doing Bullet Train later this week, so I think we have some Bullet Train news in terms of like the director and actors coming from Bullet Train. Really quickly, Emily Blunt's been cast alongside Ryan Gosling, Speak of the Devil, and David Leach's The Fall Guy. The film releases on March 1st, 2024 in theaters. And then uh, to go with like David Leach, obviously, Bullet Train, who was in Bullet Train, by Brian Tyree Henry. Uh, Brian Tyree Henry has been cast as the lead in Sinking Spring, an eight-episode drug ring drama from Apple TV+. Plus. Peter Craigson write the series with Ridley Scott set to executive produce and direct at least the first episode. Ricky Flicks, any comments on 
this news stemming from the bullet train cast and director the apple tv again leaning towards quality uh redley scott peter craig i think those are just two like names that you think of quality movies yes redley scott does a crap ton of movies just produced like makes movies nonstop throughout the years past 40 years but for the most part quality apple tv plus just focused on that good to see and then emily blunt ryan gosling david leach sounds like a good combination right david leach think of action good action right ryan gosling what he's what's he doing now post his oscar nominated run he's doing the gray man this the fall guy he's doing that action oriented and emily blunt since edge of tomorrow she's been kind of in that same boat so this seems just like non-surprising news for on there good combination to have like two a-listers uh male and female plus with a, a rising action director maybe the best right now going yeah two a-listers that are just keeping up the pace that they were or keeping up the same course that they were on so obviously gosling gray man and he's kind of teaming up with David David Leach. You're going from the Russo brothers to David Leach. These are two of the most prominent directors in terms of action films that we have in Hollywood right now. Emily Blunt, she's been on this trajectory of less away from the, the indies and less towards uh, these prestigious type of films, but more towards this Jungle Cruises of the world, the Mary Poppins Returns of the world, and now Long Gosling and a David Leach movie. And you said you brought up Edge of Tomorrow. David Leash, you're going to expect some insane action sequences. We know both these characters can pull it off. Looks cool. And Brian Tyree Henry, dude, he I love him and everything he does. He rarely misses. I guess Eternals, I didn't love it, but he's awesome in Atlanta. I loved him in Bullet Train. I liked him in Bullet Train. I did not love him in Bullet Train. But um, he doesn't really miss, and he's a really exciting young actor. He seems like he's always playing a part in a supporting role or now even a lead role and like TV shows and movies that are just becoming more prominently known. So good for him. You know, I'm interested. That whole cast of Atlanta is doing huge things. Yeah, no, it's and he, another like coming up, like, yeah, very small minor roles to supporting roles. And then like Atlanta kind of like catapulted him to like prominent supporting roles in like huge movies. And then now it's like, all right, you're getting an Apple TV plus show with Ridley Scott and Peter Craig. Like, that's pretty remarkable. So, like, that come up is huge for him, and I'm excited to see going forward what he's going to do. All right, and then finally, we got really quick, two more stories. Speaking of franchises, Viola Davis has been cast as Dr. Volumnia Gall in The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes that arrives in theaters November 2023. We also got a look at Rachel Zegler and a first still in Thomas Blythe from uh, Vanity Fair. Do we care about this? Are you going to watch it? This is like the names Rachel Zegler and Viola Davis. Are they enough to pull you into this spinoff or prequel, excuse me, for Hunger Games? Rachel Zegler, no. Now, with and even with the stills, did not care. The Viola Davis makes me interested. Will I see it based on that alone? Still no, because I don't care enough for this franchise or anything about this movie. But if it does well critically, after like the movie like gets its first, like, once before like it releases on the weekend release and the rotten tomato score comes out and it's like 90 something yeah I'll, I'll definitely see this movie with viola davis in it so it's a wait and see right now still don't care viola davis definitely brings this project some legitimacy uh, a lot of the names that we see are younger actors other than rachel zegler a lot of the other ones are unproven i think rachel zegler is taking a very interesting path since west side story I think for some reason, instead of going to see, she's taken her path instead of going to more prestigious award, like contender type of films. Instead, she's going the blockbuster path, but she's not even going the like top tier blockbuster path, which is really weird. Like she's going instead from West Side Story with Spielberg to Shazam Fury of the Gods in the spinoff for the Hunger Games. Like, like I feel like. She, if she waited out a little bit, a little more patience, I think like the, the money would have been thrown at her and like much, um, I guess more likely to succeed projects. I think this is kind of interesting. Like Shazam, like I, we barely saw her in the trailer. I assume she's gonna have a further role in the DCEU, but I feel like she could have played a character that was much more in demand than what she ended up with. And like this, this prequel series, and now I'm more interested with Viola Davis, but just because Rachel Zegler was in it initially. I wasn't like, oh, I got to go see this. You know, she doesn't hold the weight of a Katniss Everdeen with J Law 
you know? And the fact that it was her birthday yesterday and she's 32 blows my mind. I would have thought she was like closer to 40, but she's been in our lives so long ever since like winter's bones. So it's just, she's always been here, but uh, yeah. Any thoughts on Zegler's path so far? Yeah. She took the uh, blockbuster path. So she took, all right, she got her breakthrough performance. Sold out. Yeah. She basically sold out, <laughs> not just for money though. She wanted to be seen by more audiences, right? Box office blockbuster. That's what path you could do. You could be a superhero. Like, you know, like you, th- that, that could be your path. And then after you're a superhero, you're, you're an A-lister and then you're big enough. You can get any role you want and like take the whatever route you want to take after because that will lead you to the opportunities. That's what she's trying to do here. I think my only problem is Hunger Games past its prime. And this movie, like we forget, like Viola Davis, arguably the best actress in Hollywood right now, but she was in Suicide Squad. She was in like, she's been in bad movies too that she has prominent roles in. So like, I think that her being in it doesn't like say stamp of approval as in this movie's going to be great. She's going to be great. You know that. It's just that will the movie itself be good? This Hunger Games franchise that's past its prime? I don't know. I'm on it. And Rachel Zegler then also being a side character in Shazam 2, Fury of the Gods. But not not, not the lead or co-lead that she was in West Side Story. I just find that like a step down, if anything. So I think she, if her, who's also a little bit unproven herself, what has she done in a non-musical like role? Nothing she's like, super is, young yeah yeah she's super young so it's like all right well this is kind of a risk because if she doesn't do well in the either of these two movies it's like all right like you're kind of done and like j-law was putting out bangers in the early 2010s yeah. while she was katniss everdeen like she was like yeah like she she got nominated for an oscar so young in her career she's one of the youngest i, I guess uh female actresses to be nominated for an oscar for like winter's bone right like she was like she was a teenager yeah, Haley Seinfeld was less for True Grit. Oh yeah, for True Grit. Yeah. I, I always, I always like confuse those two because I think like time frame and everything like that. <laughs> right. And also like the setting. Like I just confuse those two movies. Yeah. Um, Viola Davis though, I, I, I feel like she's like reached. She is at that level where if a movie's bad, it's never her fault. <laughs> you know, there's always like that. I totally those type of that. actors like Viola Davis. Like, like Suicide Squad's bad. You know, you know, she had her guy. You know, she did great. But like, she had her job. She did her job. Everybody else, it was their fault. I feel like that's Viola Davis and everything. She's going to be awesome in this. And, uh, yeah, I got really nothing else to say. Like, who cares about Hunger Games, to be honest. Uh, last thing on the checkup. Remake discussion dominates film conversations during this time. Kenya Barris, who uh, I think created Blackish, right? Blackish, the TV show, is set to direct a modernized remake of The Wizard of Oz. We had a semi-remake with The Wiz in 1978, featuring Michael Jackson, did terribly financially at the box office. We then have the upcoming Wicked uh, film. That's a remake of the, of the play, or I, I guess an adaptation of the play starring Ariana Grande. Ricky Flex, what's your uh, reaction to Warner Brothers? Right, a studio that's in a lot of turmoil right now, deciding to take on the iconic 1939 film. It's an interesting time to do it. It's not the right time to do it. It's a huge risk for a guy. Yes, Blackish won. He's won primetime Emmys for Blackish. Okay, but besides that, this man wrote Coming to America. This guy is a writer for the next Kevin Hart movie. That's basically Lottery Ticket 2.0. It's an un I, I would say unreliable uh, uh, showrunner or or whatever you want to say not showrunner um someone to take on this project is just so unreliable I think yes for his mode, unproven unproven like yes Blackish is successful but that's cable that's completely different that is a pure cable play and that is just different than premium television let alone a remake of The Wizard of Oz it is a huge gamble. I don't understand it. And at this time when there's such turmoil or I guess just negative headlines coming at Warner Brothers right now, it's just not the time. Huge mistake. But you never know. Like this guy clearly has talent. Like it's just not who I would have thought for this project, let alone this to even happen right now. I don't like this <laughs> mainly because 
there is there Wizard of Wizard of Oz is one of the most beloved movies ever made, and a lot of people um, find it to be their favorite movie, or they find it like one that is pretty much untouchable and uh, almost a perfect movie. So, if people try and take on a movie that is looked at in this light, like it's obviously an absurd challenge, and you need someone at the helm who has an understanding of the movie, but also has an understanding of their own vision of it. And again, you see with the modernized remake of Wizard of Oz, like maybe there's something in the, in the cards here. But this guy, we don't know him, Kenya Barris. I have no idea who he is. I've never seen Blackish. It had a lot of steam when it was first debuted. I think that died off. Uh, I don't know if it was still getting nominated for Emmys like later on in the seasons that were coming off of it, off the first season. But we just saw West Side Story be adapted, right? Remade by Steven Spielberg. Steven Spielberg can do whatever he wants. If he was doing Wizard of Oz, I'd be like, go ahead, go for it. I'd be like, Oscar's coming at you. Similar to West Side Story. He has shown that he can take a beloved film and then elevate it, right? And something that he probably would never want to do again because obviously it was so much riding on like the 1961 film, right? Which wins what 10 of 11 Oscars. And then you have the West Side Story that obviously is like, Rachel Zegler, Ansel Elgort, there's like some controversy surrounding it, and yet Spielberg still delivers. That, I'm like, okay, Spielberg can do that. But Kenya Barris, are you going to deliver a movie at the level of 1939's Wizard of Oz? And I think it's just it's setting up for disaster before it even happens. Or it's not disaster, but just failure. There's no way it can live up to expectations. People are going to dismiss it before it even comes out. And I mean, if uh, you're talking about a 1939 film adopted, adapted, excuse me, for 2022, it's going to have elements people are going to be rolling their eyes at. It's inevitable, right? There's going to be different castings that people are going to like take exception to, right? Just don't even bother with it. Just try and make something new. Don't adapt something that people are uh, have too tight of a relationship with. Yeah, and like uh, Kenya, Kenya Barris, like clearly strong connection to the black community, right? Like Shaft, he wrote Shaft, he wrote. Barbershop, the next cut, blackish, um, coming to America. Like he just clearly that's his mode right now. And he's doing the white men can't jump. He's writing that as well. A um, lot of projects he's working on. Holy crap. Yeah. Like this guy just always works. And he's doing like a couple other TV shows that I never even heard of um that are announced but not filming yet. But it's just is this gonna communicate more to the like uh the black audience, a uh, black audience maybe? Assume so based on who he works with. Based on yes, exactly. Based on his past and what like he clearly is good at. Yes. Okay. Then okay, let's it's gonna be clearly a remake, modernize and towards and obviously nineteen thirty nine, different than twenty twenty two. So okay, that's different. But again, it just comes back to okay, how are you gonna like honor the Wizard of Oz here? Or like Steven Spielberg honored West Side story. Like you have to have that like reliability factor and he just doesn't have that for me right now not like a steven spielberg and we've seen like the whiz first of all was like a black remake of wizard of oz right did not do well and we forget about the wizard of oz prequel that came out from sam raimi oz the great and powerful starring someone that we talked about earlier this episode with james franco and how did that how did those two movies end up not too good so i don't know what the expectations are, but when Warner Brothers is in such hot water right now with unpredictability of projects and what's going to actually happen, what's being greenlit and what's not, this gets greenlit with an unreliable like director, right? With a beloved franchise, with a beloved movie that probably no one, I would say, majority of audiences don't want to be touched. So interesting. Who would you put? Who if let's say this is an all black cast? Right, just based on the filmography and the work that Kenya Barris has done, who plays Oz? Samuel Jackson. Um, <laughs> it's good. Let's end it there. <laughs> Walk it off. Walk it off. Uh, but also, like, Wicked's coming. Wicked's coming. Is that the same studio? Is, is Warner Brothers doing Wicked? That would make sense. It's just to me, it's like, why are you making this? Like, maybe it's supposed to be a direct, like a spinoff of the, this movie or something. To me, it's just look, do a remake of Wicked because you're just adapting a play. It's easy and it doesn't have a reputation on screen or in film. Stupid. All right. That's going to do it for the checkup this week. Let's uh, go through what the feed looks like. 
We obviously have the checkup dropping. And now later on in the week, we got Bullet Train and Brad Pitt top billing draft dropping on Thursday. On Friday, we're doing Bodies, 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 starring uh, Rachel Sennett from the hometown of one Dr. O and Ricky Flex. All right, so we got to show support there. Right. Make sure you're tuning in. Make sure you're following wherever you're listening right now. Make sure that you are tuning in to social media on Twitter and Instagram. On Twitter, we're at the drive-in pod. And then on Instagram, at drive-in pod. Make sure you're following, keeping up to date with all the latest movie news and what's going on with the podcast with future releases. Make sure you're also, you might be watching on YouTube right now. Make sure to hit that subscribe button and make sure to check out our previous videos. Some Everything's being uploaded on a weekly basis. Make sure to check it out. Right, make sure you leave a review, rate us five stars on wherever you're listening, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, SoundCloud, the whole shebang, wherever you take it in, rate us five stars. That's gonna do it for Dr. L and Ricky Flex. Until next time, we will smell you.